There's a principle I learned very early um, in ministry. We learned it. I learned it from a man of God called Bishop Ivy Heliad. He have this um, very wonderful ministry in Houston, Texas. I was told once that um, his, um, his house is the largest house in Houston. He wasn't always like that. Bishop Ivy Hilliard always said, and if you listen to his tapes, will say, I be a ghetto boy. That's what he says. <laughs> but the Lord has blessed him tremendously. But one of the things he taught us when we would go and visit his ministry in Houston, he would say to us, be like Shamga. Who knows who Shamga is? Do you know that there's a name? If you have a Bible on Bible app on your phone, I want you to search. If it's, if it's a searchable, I want you to sh- search Shamga. Shamga. S-H-A-M. G-A-R, Shamga. Tell me what, what you find out there. He used to tell us, you got to be like Shamga. That was the first time I heard Shamga. <laughs> so, who is Shamga? <laughs> Let's do a little bit of Bible study this morning. Shamga. Did you find it? So who is Shamga? What did he do? With an ox goat. Shamga was the son of Anath and he slew 600 Philistines with an ox goat. And the principle, even then I still didn't get what he was saying. But then he told us, he said, you have to do all you can with what you have. Shamga only had an ox goad. An ox goad is a stick that you use to prod the ox forward when they're plowing for you. You're not beating them, but you're kind of pricking them so that they can move and plow the ground for you. He had only that. He had all this enemies surrounding him. He said, well, this is all I got. I'm going to use it. I'm going to trust God. And guess what? He killed 600 men, only him, with an ox goat, Shamga. So always remember Shamga. And the principle behind Shamga is that you do the best you can with what you've got. And so I brought that up to thank the praise team for doing the best they can with what they have. Amen. And it's getting better and better and better. Amen. But wherever you are, you will do the best you can with what you've got. Don't let the devil tell you that this is where you are. This is where you're going to, you know, remain. Always remember that our life is a journey. That you are here today does not mean 10 years from now. That's where you're going to be. It just keeps moving. Someone is turning 40 this, this month. When I met him, he was not 40. <laughs> Now he's going to turn 40. And when you think about it, people just, you know, that's the one thing about life. Time, you just keep moving. You just keep moving. That's the one thing that never waits, time. And, but with that, if you believe in God, things change as well. Amen. It's not where you are today. You may 
not be married today and you want to be married. Two years from now, you may be married. You may even be married with kids. See, but wherever you are, be thankful, be content, and keep reaching out for more. But do the best you've got with your ox goat, the principle of Shamga. Amen. Now, before we do today's teaching, I want to remind us of the Club 100, ALICC Club 100. Did anybody get anything in the mail? Did you get a package? Anybody get any package in the mail? You did not get a package in the mail? Okay, let's wait till Monday and see. You might get it by Monday. You should have uh, a package with a book in it, pastor's book. Oh, no, you guys already picked up your package, so you will not get that. I apologize. It's those who are out of town that would have gotten it. So, well, so you have that package. And a few people who were not here last week may have gotten the package. If you were not here last week, were you going to tell me something, Mr. Chica? Okay. Yeah. Thank you. So they, they, if you were not here last week when the packages were given out, you will get it in the mail because we sent it. Amen. So in that package that you received last week, there's a book called Vision 2020. I want to encourage you to read that book. It's a very, very quick read. I read it. I'm going to have to read it again because if I sat down and I didn't have to go to work, I could finish it in two hours. So what I did was I would read like you can read two chapters in 20 minutes. It's, I, I think it's about seven chapters. Read it in the morning before you go to work. Now let that be your devotional for the day. You would finish it in three days, I think, or four. That book is so, so rich. What a blessing. I know you haven't read it because everybody's looking blank, but... <laughs> You might receive a call from pastor and he might ask you, so what did you think? And I don't want you to be looking like you didn't know, you know, so I'm kind of giving you a heads up. But I'm, I'm trusting God that you read it, it will bless you. And that book has gone around the country actually to different parts of the world and we're trusting God. So remember ALICC Club 100, amen. Then on our Wednesday, this last Wednesday, pastor gave us two assignments. Anybody remember if you were on that call? Two assignments that the Lord told him to tell us. Research the names of God was the second one. Say that again. Yeah, he said, get very deep with your relationship with the Holy Spirit. He told me to emphasize it because the Lord had woken him up when he described his encounter with God. I thought it was worth mentioning. The Lord woke him up and said, tell your people that their protection is in the names of God. This year might not go the way you want it to go, but when you have studied the names of God, something will sit down within you and it will help you, you know, be still and not be worried. I want to tell you how I do it. Even while he was talking, I quickly did my, my, my search and I have been doing this for a while, so, you know, I may not, I may, I'm not an, I, I, I'm not new to it, but I want to teach you how to do it. If you have a Bible app that actually has a concordance in it, maybe like a Strong's concordance, how many people know what Strong's is? 
Okay. If you, if, or you, you may have it, they sell, the, these things are so inexpensive, $5, $10. You can buy the, the Strong's Concordance, the book itself, like paperback, and look at the names of God. It's not in the, uh, let me tell you how I do it, and then you, you figure out how you want to do it. So when last week, uh, Pastor was saying to us, the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. Immediately while he was there, I started searching in the Bible where I could find God is my helper. So I went to put this up for me, Psalm 54 verse 4. Psalm 54 verse 4. And there it says, God is my helper. The Lord is the sustainer of my life. So the way I go about finding out the names of God. So of course we have the general names of God. Jehovah Shalom, which we know. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. And he told us a bunch. So if you haven't listened, please go back on the podcast, listen to it. But this is how I find these things out. So I said, God is my helper. So I go into the Hebrew of it. So I go to the Hebrew. And I go to the Hebrew. In this case, usually it will be Jehovah is something. In this case, God here is Elohim. That word in Hebrew is helper. So I coined my own name, Elohim Azar. Now, if had it been Jehovah, if you go to the, if you see the Lord, most of the time you will see uh, it will be Jehovah. So that's Elohim Azar. And what is Elohim Azar? Then I'll start to study around it try to find out all the different places. What does it mean? What does Azar really mean? Um, it, what does it mean? It means something. He's my support. He's my help. He's my aid. You know, you go into it, and by the time you finish just, just thinking about it, all of a sudden, maybe you get to work on Sunday, and it's like things are not going the way they're supposed to go, and it's like, mm, but God is my support. God is my aid. God is my helper. If somebody tells you God is my helper, you just say, oh yeah, yeah, it's my helper. But if you go and study it yourself, that's how I came up with Jehovah Shalak. You will never really hear anybody teach you Jehovah Shalak except me. I haven't found any other person except me. <laughs> and how did I come about it? I found out where it said, and God, you know, made him prosper. So, what does shellac mean? Shellac means the Lord who causes me to prosper aggressively. That is, continuously. He makes me prosper. Not once. He just, he, it's like he forcibly pulls me forward. That's Jehovah Shalak. Was Jehovah Kaya. He's the one who keeps me in health. He keeps me alive and in health. Where did I get that from? I mean, this is just study. So, many times... I find myself, you know how uh, Mr. Brian was saying, um, um, what did you say? You're getting older, but you're not aging. Or what did you say? You are aging, but you're, huh? Tell me that again. Yes, you are. You're not aging. You're getting older. Okay. I can flip that back and say to you, you're getting older chronologically, but you are not aging. I'll tell you what this did for me. One day I found two strands of gray hair on my head. I said, ha, Lord, gray hair. <laughs> I know to you, you don't care. But this is me. So I went and studied. I found a place 
where they said, and Moses at the end of his days, he was 120. They said that he, he didn't, he didn't, um, his gait did not, let me pull it up. His eyes were not dim and his gait, let, let me find that out. Quickly search it for you. Since that day, I've only had two gray hair. This is almost 10 years now. So, I want to get older, but I don't want to age. Because there are a few things that come with aging. And I was able to find in the Bible. See, if you can find it in the Bible, you can actually believe God for it. Now, you don't have to. Some people really like gray hair. It kind of makes them look distinguished and so on. I didn't feel it made me look distinguished. I just really didn't want it. So... (laughs) Because with it comes a lot of other things that I didn't want my body to go through. So, here it is. It says, Moses' eyes were not dim. So, we're doing Bible study here. Just quickly to show you how I search this out and I find out who God is. And I sink into it. I mean, you can't shake me from that. Not that my hair will never eventually get... But you know what? Let's push it to the end. Why Why get... I personally didn't want gray at age 40. I didn't want it. I had those two and it was those two. I said, that's, you, t- that's, you are going to be alone for the, for the next few years too. <laughs> Where, can you find that scripture for me? He's, Deuteronomy 34, 7. Deuteronomy 34, 7. And Moses was 100, watch this, 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. If you go into the Hebrew of that, it really means he had no wrinkles. He had his 20-20 eyesight or better. And he didn't have, you, the Bible says when you, you read different translations and go into the different, if you do a deep study, they said he looked like 40 even though he was 120. There was another person who was like that. Joshua, no, Caleb. Caleb at age 40 went into the promised land. They wanted to take the promised land, but the other guys were full of doubt and unbelief, so they couldn't. But the Lord said to Joshua and Caleb, whenever you do get it, I have an inheritance for you. So here they are 40 years later, actually 45 years later, they were in the promised land and Caleb goes to, 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 uh, to Joshua and says, I was 40 when they, when the Lord said, I was faithful and he'll give me this land. He said, my strength is still like I was when I was 40. At that time, he was 85. He killed all the giants. He did everything he could have done at age 40. And there are other, other examples in the Bible. And then I started to study and I eventually found the scripture. And I saw it together, Jehovah Kaya, the one, the Lord who keeps me alive. It's not alive like you are not dead. That is, he makes yourselves not age. For you, you don't need that. For me, I need that. You know why I need that? Because, you see, we have a lot to do. And you can only do so much in a certain time. So I need my body to remain alive. And <laughs> so those are, that's the way I use it. So anytime I see some things not coming together, I say, wait a second. You are not in the perimeter. You, you have gone outside of where God walks. You don't belong in this body. Bye. See you. Actually, not see you. Don't come back. 
So this is the way I use it. There is a part, you know, there's that scripture that says that he will, um, the Lord maketh rich and he addeth no sorrow. How will I use that? I will go into the Hebrew, look for the Lord, which most likely is Jehovah, and look for maketh rich. Whatever maketh rich is, is in Hebrew. And I will say Jehovah something. And I will sit in that thing, meditate on it, sit into it until one day poverty will come knocking on my door. And I say, don't you know that I live in Jehovah, da, da, da. He makes rich, he doesn't add sorrow. And if I'm rich and there's sorrow coming, I say, no. He makes rich, he doesn't add sorrow. So that's the way you live in the names of God. His names show you who he is and what you can press into him for. I wanted to remind you because the Lord gave our senior pastor that revelation and I caught it immediately. It is so, so important. If you don't know how, pull me after service. I'll show you. I'll tell you how you can make it easy. I just wanted to bring this up. Don't ignore that instruction. There is a reason why God gave him that instruction and said, pass it on to the congregation. Amen. So... Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Kaya, Elohim, Azar, and so on and so forth. Amen. I trust God. The second instruction is that we should deepen our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Wake up in the morning, pray. If you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, especially pray in tongues, it will strengthen you. Amen. So for today, what I want us to talk about is Vision's Next Steps. That's the title of our message. Vision's next steps visions next steps so that book vision 2020 i wish you started reading it because there are a few things that i've liked to refer to in job 14 verse 7 job 14 verse 7 i'm going to read it all the way to 9 and we're going to do a little bit of um i'm going to have you do a few things this morning that you're going to write we're not there yet but we will Job 14 verse 7, for there is hope of a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that the tender branch thereof will not cease. Though the root thereof wax old in the earth, and the stalk thereof die in the ground, yet through the scent of water it will bud and bring forth boughs like a plant. There is hope for a tree. When a tree is cut down, and you go there and you look around it and everything looks like withered and died. Everybody does. No one expects anything out of this tree. No more fruit. It's over. It's done. It's gone. But God says, even if it looks dead, it does not necessarily mean it is dead. Amen? So where we are right now is pastor has been teaching us. And he spoke a lot about what we see. Lift up your eyes. Look up there. What do you see? I want to talk to us a little bit about hope this morning. If you are where you are and you're not where you want to be, there's one thing you need. It's the thread of hope. Hope is what links you from now to your future. In that book, when you finally read it, he mentioned two people that really, really struck me. When Abraham looked around, he was barren. He had no child. God comes to him in Genesis 15 verse 1 
And God says to him, oh, I am your great, you know how we're doing all this, Jehovah this, Jehovah that. He says, I am your exceedingly great reward. And Abraham is looking to God like, I don't need any more money. I'm good. What do you want to give me? I don't need money. All the money I have, there's no one to inherit it. So if you go to Genesis 15.1, God says to him, Fear not, Abraham, I'm your shield and your exceeding great reward. Verse 2, And Abraham says, Lord, what will you give me? I don't need more. I don't need more than this. Look, I'm going childless, and the steward of my house is Eliezer. And Abraham said, Behold, to me you have given no seed. Lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be your heir, but he that comes out of your bowels will be your heir. And verse 5 is the important part. And God brought Abraham out and says, look now towards heaven and tell the stars. Look up. That's what hope is. That is where you are, you are able to look beyond where you are. So in that book, a senior pastor was mentioning that Abraham was focusing on his immediate circumstance. In this case, he was looking at Eliezer. When I read that part, it really struck me because I've never really looked at that before. I've never seen it that way before. If you want to stay where you are, keep looking at what is around you. Example, for people who are career-minded, they want to go somewhere, or you have a business, you want to go somewhere, or you are looking for something in your future. If you focus on where you are, you'll be buried there. There's no other way. You will be buried there. People will be telling you you are not good enough. Those who tell you you are good enough, you are good enough up to this point. And whatever it is, if your focus, I'm not saying don't live in the moment, but live in the moment plus look up. You have to always look up. Look, if you are working in a hospital and you have, you know, the desire to be more than what you are today, you have to look beyond your hospital. Look beyond your health system. Look at what are other people in other places doing. What is happening in industry? Just look up. Not that you are there. You, you may even be, according to your estimation, you may be 20 years away from But still look up. Because if not, where you are, you will be so buried in it. You will get disenchanted. You get disinterested. You will be one of those who just clock in, clock out, waiting for the day to end. And No, your life is more than that. So you have to look up what other possibilities are there. What other other things are possible? When you look up, then your imagination starts to work. So look at verse 5. God says to him, look up and see if you can tell the stars. In the Amplified, God says, God brought him outside, verse 5 of chapter 15, God brought him outside, amplified. God brought him outside his tent. God brings you out of the way to do it, child of God. Remove yourself, you know, have your own time. And the best place to do it really is your time of prayer in the morning. If, if you, let's say you are driving lifts today. You may want to keep driving lift, but you may want to own your own business. Employ people who drive for you. You don't, I mean, there's so many things that are possible. This is the decade of possibilities. 
so the thing to do is to pull yourself. The Bible says he brought him out of his tent and says, look now towards the heaven and start counting. So you bring yourself outside of where you are and start to just imagine. You don't pay anything to imagine. There's no cost. There's no price. It's only you. The only thing it might cost you is time. But what are you doing with the rest of the, the time? This is one of the things that really hurt us wherever we are, especially for those who are trying to get to another place, you know, maybe in business, maybe in career, maybe in marriage. You know, you just bury yourself in your hair and now, and that's where disappointment and discouragement comes. Because you know what? Your hair and now is not as beautiful as you really want it to be. And when you focus, you focus on your Eliezer, this servant that is going to inherit all your wealth. There is no way despondency will not come. You just get tired. God will speak. You say, uh-huh, I heard that yesterday. He will say, oh, God can do, mm-hmm. God can do, mm-hmm. No, vision's next step. The next thing you now need to do, after all the preaching is over, is, okay, this thing that you think is possible, look up. What, what is possible? Look, some people have gone beyond what I'm saying. They've actually passed this point. But for those who haven't, this is how you get hope. When everything around you is hopeless, everything is just spinning, you know. Two years ago, this is where you are. Three years ago, this is where you are. Begin December 31, they tell you again, God is going to do. And it, this is one of the first things you need to do. You have to look beyond where you are. That gives you hope. Hope is so powerful. It doesn't allow you to sink beneath the waters. It doesn't allow you to drown. Many Christians are drowning in their hair now. They're just so tired. You see them, they're very excited. Sunday. You know why people hate going to work on Monday? Because it's the same old, same old. We, on Monday, are very excited. Because I have piled many things <laughs> I want to do. I have meetings, I have planned, I have planned. And I'm not the boss. So it's not like, oh, it's because you are the boss you can determine. No. I have already, I know where I'm going. And I'm using my job as, you know, as, as I'm using it to train me to where I'm going. So guess what? When I'm going there on Monday, it's like, yes, which giant do we want to slay today? This whole week, we got stuff to do. Friday, people are, you know, many places, even in my place, they'll wear casual, um, they wear jeans and stuff. Friday, I, I don't know it's Friday. I wake up, I wear my suit, I'm ready to go. Then I'm thinking, I go there and I find that I'm the only one kind of looking strange. <laughs> because to me, it's almost like a Monday. I don't stop. I'm just excited. The only reason you can keep that excitement going day in, day out is because you look up. You look beyond where you are. You are reaching in your mind and in your imagination. So that's the power of imagination. It transports you to your future. And it keeps that excitement in your heart. Amen. So God says to him, count the stars if you are able to number them. And what is God telling him? God is saying, you know, he's, he, look at what he's doing. He's looking at Eleazar. Eleazar. He wakes up in the morning. Eleazar. Where I come from, we have this thing we call the hiss. 
long one. I've taught my children because <laughs> one day Christina and Edie, they were going back and forth. I just heard, I said, ah, these American kids know how to hiss. What is that hiss? That hiss is this deep irritation that comes out. And you know when they say if looks can kill? So it's not just hiss from your mouth. Your eyes are rolling the and if you, I don't know how to do it. Some people know how to do it and draw it. So Abraham gets up in the morning. He looks around. Same old, same old Sarah. Looking withered. Everything, the whole thing. And my master. And he's looking at this Eliezer. And he's. He draws it. And then God comes. And God says, Abraham, I'm your exceedingly great reward. Say, God, excuse me, Lord, I can't do that to you. But I have to tell you, I don't need any reward. I don't need any money. This Eliezer, he's looking at Eliezer. So he's despondent. He's tired. He wants to give up. He doesn't want to do anything anymore. And God says, come. Don't let this condition, don't let this time in your life, don't let it bury you. Come, come, come. And God takes him, and God takes him and says, look up. And he's, he's thinking in his mind, as though God can't read his mind, he's like, what, what, what are we doing with, what are we doing with stars now? They're talking of children, you're talking of stars. God says, look up. All right, whatever. Okay. Stars. I see stars. I'm talking of children. Keep your eye up the stars. God says, start counting. He said, if you can count how many, that would be the number of children. If you can't count all of them, you will not be able to count. Your kids, your children will be as, as many as the sand on the seashore. So Abraham said, okay, whatever. Let's do it. I mean, it's God Almighty. If he says to do it, we better do it. He's counting one. Two, three. He gets to a point. Start the names. He said, Ah, Shola Femi. Samuel. He counts all the way till he gets to me, Tino, because you know where Abraham's seat. After a while, he's gone beyond millions now. What is happening to him? He's starting to leave his current environment. You have to start to do that. Leave where you are and start to see. It's the power of imagination. It is such a powerful concept. It births hope. And the Bible tells us what happened to him. I think it's Romans 4. 4. The Bible says, Abraham, when all reason for hope was gone, he believed in hope. That is, he went and found hope. Is it Romans 4, 4? Help me find it. He said, when all reason for hope was, yeah, keep going. I think it's 4, 4. Uh, when it's, um, it's, keep going, it's there. It's Romans chapter 4. He says, when all reason for hope was gone, yet he believed in hope. Therefore, did you find it? Okay. I'll get it for you. I wasn't planning to use that scripture. I would have. What is it? 
418, sorry. Okay, go to 17 first. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations before him whom he believed. Even God, let's do that in maybe amplified because quicken, you may not know what that means. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He was appointed our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. God who gives life to the dead and speaks. God, and this is where you see you have to meet up with God. Because God speaks in the now all the time. He speaks of the non-existent things as though they already existed. So here you are looking at Eliezer. God is seeing all your kids. He's seen many millions of them. But you are focused on Eliezer. And you are very angry at God. You are just, you just feel he doesn't keep his word. All these things he's been saying. This is almost um, 20 years he's been saying it. And look, we're still here. And now I have all this wealth. I'm not looking for wealth. I just want one child. And God is saying, they already exist. See, God speaks of the non-existent things as if they already existed. Same thing for your health. The Bible says he sent his word and healed them. Not to heal them. He sent his word and healed them. That is, as far as God is concerned, he's done all he's going to do. You are healed. That you have not seen the physical manifestation. As far as it's concerned, it's done. Now he expects you to walk and walk in it. So, go to verse 18. So, he sees that God sees this as a past tense. It's already done. So, what did he do? For Abraham, human reason for hope, being gone, hoped in faith that he should become the father of many nations as he had been promised. So numberless shall your descendants be. So, what happened was that he took God's advice and started counting. So that's the first thing, the power of imagination. It is such an important concept. I use this all the time. Because different things come to you. And it tells you you are not good enough. You, are not, you will never be this. You will never be up to this. This will never happen in your life. You know, when that happens, take an excursion out of your current place. In your mind. Nobody can shut down your mind. Except you do. The only thing that can shut you down is when things, you know, the things around you are screaming so loud. That instead of you moving away into a quiet place and settling them down and focusing on God and what he said. You, you start shouting with them. You start screaming with them. Oh, this will never happen. And then you two agree with them. It's like, well, I guess so. Not the right skin color, it will never happen. Oh, this, this, you, you, in your family, who in your family has ever, well, so I guess so, you know, you start agreeing with it. No, you have to transport yourself for your healing, for whatever it is you're believing God. That keeps you in hope. Amen. This is another principle I wanted to share with you. If you go to Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. So we're talking about visions next step. So we've heard all about this now. First thing is now you have to transport yourself and start to believe the things you have thought will happen. But let's go to Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. I want to read it in the Amplified because it's very powerful. In the beginning, God prepared 
Amplified. In the beginning, God prepared, formed, fashioned, and created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2. The earth was without form and an empty waste, and darkness was upon the face of the very great deep. The Spirit of God was moving, hovering, brooding over the face of the waters. Many scholars believe there are two camps. That between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, there could be like a million years, like real literal years. That is, there's or thousands of years or a million years. In fact, that's where many Christian scholars have been able to reconcile all these bones of dinosaurs and things. Like there is a pre-Adamic earth. God created in one and he created it not void. He created it with a lot of good stuff. And then something happened, something cataclysmic happened. And then the earth in verse 2 became an empty waste and darkness was upon the face of the deep and so on. So you have two camps, those who believe there's a pre-Adamic and those who do not believe so. Either way, what we um, want to focus on is verse 2. Verse 2 says the earth was without form and an empty waste and there was darkness upon the face of the very great deep. Where I'm going is the latter part. The spirit of God was upon or was moving. This is what I also want to tell you about your now. The Lord kind of jerked my chain yesterday and helped me see it again. I want you to know that regardless of where you are and how dark it seems and how impossible your situation is, if you are a child of God, the spirit of God is there with you. This is such a deep concept. And even when he says that, I mean, I've been saved now well over 30 years, 30, 40 years. And here I am thinking in myself. You know, there are some things to me that are confounding, perplexing. It's like, Lord, if you are here, how can this look like this? So he takes me back to Genesis 1 and 2. And he says, was I not there? If you really look at that word, was without form. It's the Hebrew word tohu. Tohu means useless, vain. Nobody wants it. It's just not all that. And I used Amplify because it kind of describes it a bit. Empty waste, without form. It is, so I was telling you about those who believe in the camp who are in the camp of those who believe that there is a pre there was a pre-Adamic earth full-fledged earth, not humans as we know them today and so on. The thought in that camp, and they have many scriptures, I tend to flow in that really to be honest because I've studied it out. Many scriptures show that everything was good. You had angels, you had different people living here and all that. And then there was something that happened. So God's beautiful earth, albeit not like it is today, was there doing well until there was this cataclysmic occurrence, which scholars believe, and scripture, you can find it in scripture, where demonic spirits or whatever, fallen angels came, and there was a lot of stuff happening, and things just went out of whack, and the earth was destroyed. Where that leads you is verse 2, where everything is just broken. And this is to those, I'm bringing this out to those whom it's so hard for you to imagine what they call restoration. 
when, they, when the word of God comes forth and says in Joel 2, like pastor has been teaching us on Wednesdays, Joel 2, and I will restore. It's like, this is too bad. This is too, like, really broken. This is too late. God can't do anything with it. But the Lord is saying to you that I'm there. As bad as it looks, I'm hovering. And, it, and that word too, it says the spirit of God was upon the waters. It's not just upon. I use amplified again because it comes closest to it. The Hebrew means he's fluttering. He's fluttering. They actually describe it as like a bird fluttering, trying to warm up its young ones, giving it life and, you know, don't die. You see, to you, it looks like a waste. To you, it looks like nothing will ever happen. To you, it's like this is over. This is done. But the spirit of God, the almighty God himself, the force, creative force of God is sitting. He's in your life right now. And he's waiting. If you read verse 3, Genesis 1-3, what was he waiting for? That's what we'll know what he was waiting for. And God did what? The spirit of God was there. The rubbish earth was there. Empty, waste, void was there. But they were waiting for one thing. Say. Say. Speak. God the Father had to speak. Everything that he was saying was possible. The spirit of God, who is the creative force, who has the power that will make it appear exactly like it was said, is sitting there, but he can't do anything until the words go forth. Can you pull up that part of our confession that says his words, do you know that part that says his words in my mouth are like, let's put it up and pull it there. Let me see what paragraph that is. So that way, I want to teach us a principle because we're going to do that right now. I think it's the, um, I will not, not, I will not be silent, but boldly declare. Mm. Do you have it? Yeah. Can you go one paragraph before this, the slide before? So it starts with this. No deficit will affect my destiny. What is a deficit? These are things that happened maybe in your immediate past or 20 years ago or 30 years ago or 10 years ago or happened two days ago. And they have created a deficit. Many times you can't overcome it. It's too bad. It's worse than you could imagine. In fact, when it was happening, you thought it wouldn't be this bad. But when it finally happened and everything settled, it's like, whoa, no one can ever come back from this. That's how the earth was. It was bad, hopeless, void, useless, worthless. But the spirit of God was fluttering, waiting to do. So in your life, remember we say, move into your future. You already saw what is, what are words? Words are expressions of images and thoughts that are already in your mind. They're already there. But 
until you release the words, nothing can manifest. And exactly the same thing happened in Genesis 1, 2, 3. So, if you go, sorry, go to that next slide. Because we're going to do something very soon. He says in this script, in this confession, says his words in my mouth are just as powerful as his words in his own mouth, and they will never return to him void. Words, words. So we started from. It's not as hopeless as it seems, and even if it's hopeless, transport yourself into your future. Get some hope. Then you look at your current circumstances. You have to change it because today we're talking of visions, next steps. You can't hold on to that certificate for business forever. When is the business going to happen? Okay. I don't want to step on your toes, but I will step so that I will just blow on it and God will heal it. But you can't, come on. You can't hold this for 10 years. What are we going to do with it? We're going to get stuff done. Life is not waiting. Time is not waiting. We've got to do it. Let's just do it. But you know where we get stuck? You know exactly what you want to do. You know where you want to go, but you can't seem to bridge your now and your future. It just seems like, like it's, it's, there's just no way of crossing over. So they say, write this down, write this down, write this down. So here you are writing it down, but Okay, now I've written it down. I don't, I don't have the money. I don't have the backing. I don't have the network necessary. I don't. But the Spirit of God is hovering, waiting for you to give a command, for you to say something. If you study through Scripture, everywhere in Scripture, that is how God works. No matter what he does, even the birth of our Lord Jesus, he had to say it. He said it like 500 years before through Isaiah. It happened like 500, a few hundred years later, but he said it. You have to say it. You have to say it. That you think it, it has not left your mind yet. It is not where God can do anything with it until it comes out. The Holy Spirit can't do much. And the Holy Spirit gives his angels Walk to do, remember Hebrews, in Hebrews 1, the Bible calls angels ministering spirits, sent for to minister, not to, for, for. Hebrews, I think it's one twelve. I can't remember. Angels are waiting. They go at the speed of light based on the voice of command of God's word. Sound, say, speak. If we go back, Job 22:28. Amen. You are still here? You didn't go home? Okay. Amen. Job 22:28. Thou shalt also decree a thing and it shall be established unto thee. And the light shall shine upon thy ways. This works for everything I can think of. Health conditions, this works. So they've given you this diagnosis you can't stand. You know your life is kind of dwindling away. 
the first thing to do is, Lord, in everything give thanks. I thank you not for this, but I thank you because I'm alive today and I can still speak. Okay. Then you start to speak. You start to tell him what he said. I'm going to come back to Job. Go to Isaiah 45 verse 11. We're talking about visions, next steps. Isaiah 45, 11. KJV, King James. Thus said the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and his maker. Ask me of things to come. There's things in your future. Ask me of things to come concerning my sons. How many people are the children of God here? So we're talking of you now. Ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands. Do what? Huh? Come on now. Let's read together. What did he say you should do? God is saying command me. Say it. Open your mouth and say it. I am the healed of the Lord. Say it. So that the Holy Spirit can walk. He's hovering. He's fluttering. Say it. I have been made rich because the blessing of the Lord rests upon my life. His blessings maketh rich. Addeth no sorrow. He is my exceeding great reward. You start to say it. Two things will immediately happen. The Holy Spirit can now move. In Genesis 1-3, when it says, let there be light, actually it's a wrong translation. In the, there's no way to kind of translate it into English. Because that English says, let there be as though someone is begging somebody. No, it's the real translation, light be. That is, I'm giving a permission to appear. Light be. And there was light. So the Holy Spirit is there hovering over your life. He's hovering over all those things you've written down. Hovering is like, okay, can we do it now? Can we do it now? Can we do it now? So he goes, let's go back to Job 22. Maybe we'll read from 27. Job chapter 22. We're almost done because we're going to get up and do something now. Just want to show you what happens when you say it. It's very crucial that you say it. Don't be silent about your dreams, about your future. You, it, this is supernatural. You know, many of the things we're asking the Lord or we're believing God for, these things cannot be done by ourselves. Otherwise, we would not need to pray. Why do you need to pray over something that you yourself can get done? Just go do it. But we're talking of things that need the extra oomph of God or a supernatural twist to it. Something that probably could take you 15 years and the Lord can do in six months. So we're talking supernatural now. So when we're talking super, and I, I don't have time to wait. As I was telling you, what Jehovah I have to be alive to see everything and then <laughs> and do everything. But even if you're alive, how long? I, the people who die still die at 120. It's like, okay. There are many things I want to get done. I can't be. Lord, let's move. Let's do this very quickly. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's do it. If he's going to do it though, he's, he's not the, what I'm trying to tell you, God is not the one holding back. He's already there fluttering, waiting for you to speak. So he says, thou shalt make thy prayer unto him. So we've prayed. And he shall hear thee and thou shalt pay thy vows. Okay, verse 28. Thou shalt also decree a thing and it shall be established unto thee and the light shall shine upon thy ways. 29. 
When men are cast down, what will you do? What will you do? You will think, you will imagine. There's a place for imagination and thinking, but there's nowhere we are now. When men are cast down, you, you will never amount to anything. Who told you you can't? What will you say? There is a lifting up for me. Say, open your mouth. Say, say it. Bump your neighbor and say, say. If you don't have any neighbor, you are sitting too far from somebody. (laughs) Say, come on, child of God. I don't understand these things. Why children of God are so reluctant to open their mouths and speak. Speak good over your own life. If nobody will speak it, speak it to yourself. Come on. Go in front of the mirror and tell yourself you are beautiful. You are waiting for the man to tell you you are beautiful. You cannot tell yourself you are beautiful. What's wrong with you and your mouth? Come on now. Get up and say. Tell yourself you are healed. What does it cost you to say? Look at all these things. You have not not paid a consultant one penny. All these things I'm telling you. Sat down. Imagined in your mind. Let your mind roam. You have not paid anybody. It's you and God. You wrote it down. Maybe, okay, you bought pencil and paper. You wrote it down. Maybe, marks, five dollars. Now, it's time to declare. Well, maybe time to get some scriptures to help you, you know, get your confidence. And then you start to say, what did that cost you? Why would a child of God not believe in the power of confession of your words? That when you say it, it will happen just like you said it. And you know, people want to say things that will make them fit into the crowd. At this, oh Lord help me. I still, I'm still believing God for help for this one. Because I don't care, boardroom, wherever I am. If you say anything negative against my initiative or project, I will shout across, across the room. I say, no, don't say that. I can't, I, I don't, I can't tell you how many executives I've told that. I said, no, don't, don't jinx this, leave it alone. You don't believe, I believe a lot. Just don't say anything. I don't care where you are. I will not allow you to bring any evil upon the one. The one that is under your jurisdiction. Why will I allow you to be speaking all this negativity and be pulling back that which God has told me to be in charge of? No. Your own, think it. We will come and help you. My own, leave it alone. Say, 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 say there is a lifting up for me. Speak over your life. Prophesy, tell yourself. And what happens if you go to verse 28 again? What happens? The Bible says light will shine upon your ways. Do you know what is the first thing God said? He didn't say let there be moon and sun. Those are bodies, but actually, they were not the one. I think moon and sun came, day maybe five or something or four. So let there be light. The first thing we always need is light. 
That is, how do I go forward? You see, that's what I was telling you. There's this thing that you believe for, and this is the end product. But you don't know how to go from here to here. The Bible says in the scripture, it says, <laughs> the foolish man, everybody is tired and weary around the foolish man. Because he doesn't know how to get to the city. It's a bad one. When everybody is around you wanting to help you, but you have no clue where you are going. The Bible says everybody is weary around you. It's in Proverbs. Everybody's weary. They're tired because he doesn't know how to take them to the city. That's what's going on. You don't know how to get to where you want to go. But when you say what the Bible says happens, light, light will start to shine. And so you don't say once, you say as many times as is needed. Because the path of the just is like a shining light. What does it do? It shines brighter. I'm brighter. So the first thing that happens, you say it. You just get this tiny little flicker of light. You kind of know what to do. You don't know how to do everything. You just kind of know, okay, this is the next step. You finish the next step. And the thing is, he shows you the next step. You get up now and do that next step. Don't be thinking you need to get the full plan before you go. No, you do the first one he showed you. He says to you, okay, you want to be healed of that. There is, um, uh, there is a physician uh, who is in Akron, though, but I need you to go there. I can heal you supernaturally, but this time I want you to go to that physician in Akron. And you're thinking, well, when I get to Akron, I don't even have insurance. And Did he ask you for all of that? He said, carry yourself. You have money to buy gas into your car. Get yourself to Akron. That's all you need. When he gets there, on your way, you are saying, I am the healed of the Lord. I am the, when you get there, more light. More light. But you have to say first, Psalm 112 verse 4, light arises, amplified, light arises in the darkness for the upright. You need light. That's what tells you what to do next. So this message is visions, next steps. I'm not saying the whole thing now. I'm just saying, where do we go from here? Proverbs 4.18, KJV, King James. But the path of the just is as the shining light. It shines more and more. So I keep saying, and a little bit more light, a little bit more light comes until you get to where you're going, onto the perfect day. More and more. 